Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Check this out. Illinois has recreational cannabis, right? What if you want to feel real good without getting high? And how about ordering it online and getting it right to your door? Well, there's this company, Mineral. They do whole plant hemp oil formulations. It's like CBD, but it's more than CBD. Mineral grows the hemp in Colorado. They formulate the product in Colorado, and they create these organic all-plant formulations for anxiety, stress, inflammation, post-at-home workout, and get this, the sleep one. It's fantastic. So what makes them unique is they actually blend these plant components together, things that the body has, like fats and vitamins that actually increase the absorption and effectiveness. So you actually get to feel the benefit of these formulations, truly. The guy who founded the company, Mills is his name. He's coming on the show next week, and you're going to hear his story. He was in Peru. They tried to take out his colon, but he used cannabis oil to recover instead. I know, it sounds trippy, but wait till you hear his story. It's Mineral. It's a beautiful company, beautiful formulations. I love the balance. I love the sleep. It's MineralHealth.co. That's M-I-N-E-R-A-L-H-E-A-L-T-H dot C-O. And if you're listening to this podcast, and I know you are, you want to try their formulations, then use code CHICAGO15. That's Chicago spelled out, the number 15. That's C-H-I-C-A-G-O-1-5. You do that, you'll get 15% off your first order. That's 15%. That's only available for listeners of the podcast. So use that code. Thank you, Mineral, and thank yourselves, too, because you're going to love this stuff. Cannabis without the high. That's correct. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. And if you would like to help out the Chicago Reader during these times, buy or download the Chicago Reader coloring book. Fun for the whole family. Chicagoreader.com. Let's get today's show started here. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, April 10th is just moments away. But before we get into this, we got to thank the following unions. For jumping on board and sponsoring this podcast, unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9 are sponsors. Well, we had a guest from that uh, union yesterday, isn't that right, Ben? Oh, that is correct. Jeff Johnson. That is doubly correct, and he did a great job. Go download it, everybody, both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, your sponsors. And, of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, April 10th, live from Ben's house. <laughs> yes. 
Got a feeling it's going to be like this for a while. Mm-hmm. It's brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, give us a Friday song of the day, would you please? A little shout out to Johnny Cash. There we go. I fell into a burning ring of The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Friday, April 10th, and live from Ben's house, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's the return of our good friends, political activist Lori Glenn, and of Friends of the Park, Juanita Irizarry, over the phone. now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this MAGA Hat Friday. And here's why. Well, it's Friday, end of the week. I spent the whole previous week, days of the week, that is, talking about my beloved Democrats. Mostly spent the time crying the blues, as in, Bernie's out, ah, and Biden's in, double, ah. <laughs> Dennis sent me a tweet yesterday from Tara Reid, who uh, has accused Biden of sexual assault, which is not good news for anybody, and uh, except for maybe Donald Trump. And it just brought home the realization that it is going to be a lot harder than I ever realized to defeat Donald John Trump, even though he is arguably the worst president that has ever existed in my lifetime. I say arguably because George W. Bush... I don't know. A lot of you people are forgetting how bad George W. Bush was, okay? And Richard Milhouse Nixon. I know a lot of you are too young to even know who he was. He was the president from 68 to 74, and he was the one who would get drunk uh, and stay up all night uh, talking to the uh, portraits in the White oh, House. Wow, that, yeah. that's what would happen if my dad became president. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dennis's dad, Richard Milhouse Nixon, separated at birth. So, yeah, so anyway, the argument could be made that Donald John Trump is not even the worst president that I have lived through. That's an argument for another day. Anyway, I decided that the news was so bleak from the Democratic side of things that I needed to take a look at the Republican side of things. So I said to myself, hmm, what are the MAGA hatters up to? MAGA hatters, of course, are that strange, lemming-like breed of creatures who would foul Donald Trump off a cliff if he commanded. Which led me to today's column in the Tribune by one, Johnny John Cass. Aren't you going to use the line now, D? Look at that newspaper, everybody. <laughs> no, the other line. You mean, wait, you're talking about the singer? No, Johnny you did Hill. it right. Johnny uh, <laughs> John Cass. Anyway, just... To, to play that old joke. Oh, no, Dennis. Uh, Johnny Cash is the singer who sings, I fell into a burning ring of fire. I mean, yeah, it's not uh, really a gag. It's just <laughs> I worry about our listeners. They think you're talking about the country singer and not the Tribune guy. I'm too worried about my listeners every day. And so thank you for that clarification. Anyway, John Cass is the far right wing uh, columnist. Where's the MAGA hat? He writes for the Chicago Tribune. And he is the answer to the following question that I get from my friends of the liberal persuasion all the time. And that question is, you actually read that mother beep? (laughs) Folks, we're a family podcast, so uh, no swearing. Thank you. Uh, And you'll also be surprised how many of my friends of the liberal persuasion have potty mouths. 
Anyway, yes, indeed, I do read John Cass. Read him all the time. My attitude, folks, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I have an open mind. I'm always open to the possibility that someone whose political convictions don't match mine may change my mind, D. How about that? If you could read my mind, love, I will. I don't know what made me think of that Gordon Lightfoot song. So, I, you know, I read the Tribune editorial board. I've just gotten so used to you. I didn't even think about the fact that you just sang know, some random just, song. Which, uh, you know, nobody's ever heard of the Gordon. I love that song, by the way. I love him. Would have thought that that's good tell. Anyway, so, you know, maybe they'll change my mind. Maybe I'll see something uh, in John Cass's column or the Tribune editorial or, uh, oh, boy, from the, uh, what's his name? I'm blanking on his name. Brett Stevens, New York Times, right winger. I read him all the time. David Brooks, read him all the time. You know, okay. Trying to, you know, open my mind, right, D? Okay. So, anyway, um, uh, John Cass felt compelled to weigh in on what went down in Wisconsin uh, on Tuesday. And I think if everybody's honest, what went down is this. Republicans did everything they could to steal an election. Come on, guys, let's just be honest. Let's just call it like it is. The Democrats were proposing, the governor of the state of Wisconsin was proposing to extend uh, voting by mail so that people wouldn't have to line up and, uh, you know, potentially get the virus, potentially die uh, to vote on Tuesday. And the Republicans went to court uh, to block that. And they they were validated by two rulings uh, by uh, the state was Supreme Court of Wisconsin and the U.S. Supreme Court. And it was all partisan rulings all the republican judges lined up one way and the democrat judges lined it up another way so it was you know effectively stealing the election the fewer people that voted on tuesday the greater the likelihood that daniel kelly a far-right supreme court justice would prevail in the wisconsin vote that's what it was all about we all know it for honest we admit it in fact if i were the republican imagine this columnist i would say yep we stole it from you. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> In fact, as a Democrat, I'm always urging my beloved Democrats, guys, why don't you learn from the Republicans? No, Democrats play that game. You know, oh, they're going to go low and we'll go high. And that's why Democrats lose. Democrats are always losing because Republicans are willing to lie, steal, and cheat, and Democrats pretend as though they're playing by rules. Democrats are harder on their own, in their own party, the Bernies of the party, than they are on the Republicans. That's why Republicans love fighting Democrats so much. They're easy to beat. Anyway, for reasons I'll never know, John Cass doesn't want to own up to that. He wants to pretend like it was a legitimate reason. Like there was this great philosophical debate between Republicans and Democrats in Wisconsin. Totally ignores the fact that the whole thing was set up to steal the election. By the way, you don't even know if it worked yet. For some reasons I, will not, I do not understand, they haven't counted the votes. So we don't know if uh, Daniel Kelly, the far right wing Supreme Court uh, justice, was victorious in Wisconsin. Don't, I, at least I haven't seen the, the results yet. I guess it's taking a while to count the votes. Who knows what's going on in Wisconsin? But, you know, so he doesn't want to own up to that. So that's the funny thing about Republicans. They don't own up to their dirty dealings. Instead, he raises a couple issues, the gist of which are... <clears throat> Let's get to them. A, the Democrats are mean and nasty and want to trigger a civil war. Yeah, that's what he says. And B, the media is unfairly tilted toward liberals. Oop, there goes the train. Oh. Hey, Rom, how you doing? Sorry. I uh, always get distracted by the uh, brown line when it flies by with Rom at the wheel. Uh, engine, engine number nine. 
Uh, anyway, back to let's start with the the media thing. It's really funny uh, to for John Cass, a writer for the, tri- the Tribune, with the page two uh, real estate, to go on and on complaining about the media uh, is unfairly tilted toward liberals. Dude, you are the media. Okay, you are in the media. You write a column for a newspaper, and you're complaining about the media being unfair. That's sort of like like Charles Barkley every now. He's been in the media now for 30 years, you know. He's we'll say, uh, I hate the media. Well, you're the media. I hate the media. Yeah. <laughs> you ever notice that Barkley? Oh, they're terrible. They're terrible. I don't like the media. <laughs> it's like, Charles, you are the media. No, no, no. He's in his mind, he's still a basketball player. He's not been a you know pundit or whatever he is. Anyway, when Republicans, MAGA hatters, uh, complain about the media. I call this working the refs, and this uh, is a basketball reference, Dennis, but there's a political overtone, so please allow me to continue. Well, and judging by some of the emails we've gotten recently, I think we have more uh, basketball fans than we, we thought. Isn't that interesting? Shout out to Joan. She sent us an email uh, for an uh, a interview idea, and it was of another Bulls writer. Yes, I uh, I would love to follow her up and I get the guy on. And by the way, Joe Colley. Uh, uh, by the way, Ben's reaction was a habit, a habit. <laughs> he couldn't believe it. I was so happy. Yay! I did the interview with Joe Colley, Sun-Times beat writer, covers the Bulls. Uh, you can listen to it. Don't listen to it now, but you can listen to it. Uh, when did we drop that? About uh, two weeks ago. Anyway, uh, he, Collie had the story first, folks, that the Bulls were going to fire the general manager. But wait, this is called a tangent. Let's get back to the political basketball reference, D. Working the refs. What's working the refs, you ask? Good question, D. Glad you asked that question. I didn't ask that. Uh, well, anyway, pretend you did. Anyway, working the refs <laughs> is in a basketball game where one referee will complain incessantly about the, excuse me, one basketball coach will complain incessantly about the calls that the referee makes in the hopes that the next call will go his way. You're kind of like getting to the head of the referee. The referee goes, oh, maybe I did miss that call. Maybe I, I know what I'll do. I'll even it out by making the right, a, a call that goes his way the next time. Basketball players do this all the time. Have you ever seen LeBron James D? Always complaining. The guy never fouled. He's got his hands in the air. Uh, that, uh, never mind. I don't want to get into too much crazy basketball. You wanted to go there. <laughs> I saw that. James Harden's the worst about it, all right? <laughs> I said it. There. He could not resist. Something you don't know about the young doctor from Alton, Illinois. Huge NBA fan. He covers it up and hides it because it's a political podcast. He wants to pretend he's not into sports. But when we're not on the air, he's like, Ben. Did you read about James Harden? Ben, did you read about LeBron James? Ben, did you read about whatever? Anyway, back to working the refs. That's what they do. They work the refs. They complain about every call that goes against them in the hope that the next one goes their way. And it works, by the way. It works not only with referees and basketball, but it also works in the journalism racket. It also works with Republicans because now you got all these reporters bending over backwards to prove that they're not biased. Here's what John Cass wrote. I'll read this. He goes, most of the media are liberal and support the Democrats. They loathe Trump and especially his voters. You know, is that true? Most of the media? It could be. I don't know if they loathe. Do I loathe Trump voters, D? You've been around me a long time. Do I loathe? Who do I loathe more? Trump voters or Dems? Mm. <laughs> Who do I? I don't know. You know, you're, I'm basically your typical liberal guy in the media. The difference is, I admit I'm liberal, but who do I loathe more? Yeah, 
I, you know, Trump. I like Nick Spazzato. He's a Trump supporter. You know, he's the man. He's the man. Nick Spazzato. I love Nick Spazzato. Alderman from uh, Chicago. Now you need to travel more. I think if you went uh, down, uh, you know, maybe uh, downstate or Missouri, uh, you know, you probably have a better answer. (laughs) I, I, I remember back in 2008 conversing with some drunken University of Iowa students who were for McCain and Palin. I remember this, trying to have a, uh, a rational discourse with them. I didn't hate them. I didn't loathe them. They were really drunk, by the way. They were stinking drunk. I and mean, they were actually making some sense. In fact, I would argue they made more sense than most Tribune editorials. I guess you have to get drunk. Then you can really articulate well the Republican cause. But uh, so anyway, I don't loathe them. You know? Now we're heading into a Romana country. Remember how Romana always says, Ben, you hate Rom. I go, no, no, I don't hate rom i just don't like his i don't know rom anyway so uh so yeah that's 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 what they do they uh they whine and complain to the refs and then they hope that it works and you know what a lot of times it does work so now you got all these reporters so worried about being called liberal or so worried about you know saying that they hate trump supporters that they're like bending over backwards. So like say it's climate change or something like that, they'll go, well, uh, 99% of all credible science in the world say climate change is real. On the other hand, Donald Trump says it's a hoax. Oh, well, you decide. (laughs) That's how it works. Mainstream media. Mm. All the evidence is stacked up against the Republicans. Donald Trump says it's the other way. I got to show I'm fair and non-biased how it works that's about working the refs brilliant that's another thing by the way i give republicans credit for uh stealing elections and then finding different ways to talk about what went down so attention isn't paid to the stealing of the election and i give them credit for working the ref and then we get to the issue of the civil war and this touched upon one of my favorite themes by the way this is chicago treatment that i'm reading from home delivered so not only do I read John Cass, but I support him. You're welcome, John. Anytime you want to contribute to the reader, uh, go ahead. Huh? I'm paying your salary. So confusing. I love you. Ah, oh, you're a douchebag. Oh, but you're great. <laughs> nice mega hat. I subscribe. I do subscribe. That is a fact. So you're a whirlwind, Mr. Uh, Jarofsky. That's a home subscription you're hearing. Right okay, there. people get it. It's a newspaper. Anyway, where is it? Oh, yeah. He's talking about the Electoral College here. The left has been railing against the Constitution and legitimacy of government since President Donald Trump was elected in 2016. Democratic presidential candidates demanded an end to the Electoral College, even as they campaigned in low-population Midwestern states. Those states, like Iowa, could cede all power to the coast if the Electoral Colleges were abolished. Isolating the Midwest and South would grant hegemony to the high-population centers of the coast, would trigger the fall of the republic, perhaps cause civil war. Wow. All right, let me just clarify a couple things. Uh, Number one, he's alluding to the Electoral College, and the Electoral College is a system we have of electing presidents in the United States in which states like, just to pick a couple, Wyoming, Idaho, Mississippi, I'm doing more than a couple, Alabama, they have greater sway than big population states like California, Texas, Illinois, New York, so that effectively voters in Wyoming have more clout than voters in California. This is considered democracy. Under this system, it's possible for a president like Donald John Trump to lose the election and still gain the White House. 
I know of no system in any sphere of games, sports, whatever, where the loser is the winner. Happens in politics. And yes, I've been complaining about it. You're absolutely correct. But I haven't just been complaining about it since 2016. This is the second time in this century that it's happened. In 2000, it happened. George Bush won, even though he lost. And then he used 9-11 as a pretext to launch not one, but two wars in the Middle East. It's just saying that, you know, this electoral college thing has been working against our democracy for now at least 20 years. And as I always like to say, imagine if it went the other way. If imagine, imagine if it were the Republicans that lost two elections in this century, uh, even though they won the popular vote. Man, the Republicans would be out there fighting for the abolition of the Electoral College from the moment that Al Gore in this imaginary scenario defeated George Bush. In fact, no, they'd be, they're smart. Republicans would be smart. They would be urging uh, everyone from Wyoming to like move to California so you could tip the balance of the state. Get, all right, Wyoming, Idaho, Montana, Alabama, move to California. They'd be like paying them to move to California. And that way they would reverse California and California would be a Republican state. Hey, you know what, Democrats? That's actually not a bad idea. If only I can convince maybe, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand Democrats to move from California, Illinois, and New York to Texas. Those Republicans will never win another election. We got a great show today, everybody. Yes, indeed. Lori Glenn and Juanita Irizarry will be here, but on the phones, right, D? No, actually, they're coming over. <laughs> here they come. <laughs> Brave souls. Uh, yeah, plenty of political discussion ahead. But before we do that, the young man from Alton, the man they call the doctor with the news. Hey, how's it going? All right, no horsing around. We got to get down to business. We got a lot to discuss before we get to today's news and today's interview, so let's do this. On Thursday's program, our host, Ben Jarofsky, gave us another one of his top five lists. Wednesday, he gave his top five instead of Biden to run for president list. By the way, the jury's in. We've heard better lists. <laughs> yeah, even I admit that. Those five were <laughs> Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, for some reason, Michelle Obama, Senator Cory Booker, although he never picked him to actually run for president, and uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo and our Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. I can't remember why I had Lori Lightfoot on her. That's I had a good reason at the time, but I just I mean, can't I think it was the way she handled haircut gate. Okay, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I think that's what it was. Yes. The way okay. she handled haircut gate. By the way, can I just touch on that for a moment? Thank you. There was a... Um, <laughs> please do. Yeah. I, I meant to talk about this yesterday. Is it okay if I uh, interrupt you right now to talk about this? Uh, yesterday, there was a letter to the editor of the Sun-Times, which sort of gets at how you have to deal with Lori Lightfoot in this day and age. And by the way, we're going to have Lori Glenn coming on the show. She's already told me she's going to defend Lori Lightfoot. Uh, we, we, you know... I've been a little critical of Lori Lightfoot from time to time. I basically think she's done a good job uh, with the handling of the virus. We had a little fun with her about you know uh, closing down the parks and how she did that. Uh, but I basically think she's done a pretty good job. Uh, Howard Airman's going to come on a little while later, and he's critical of Lori Lightfoot and J.B. Pritzker. You know, try to like open, uh, 
exposed you to all different points of view. But anyway, there's a, fun, uh, a letter to the editor uh, in the Sun-Times yesterday from a reader who lives in Des Plaines, loves uh, Lori Lightfoot, but was critical of her getting the haircut. She wrote, D, in my opinion, the mayor of Chicago is the best. If she ran for president, she would get my vote. Uh, her reputation and ability to get things done is, as President Trump would say, tremendous, incredible. But this thing about her haircut puts a bit of tarnish on her bronze statue. In other words, this, I think, is the new way you have to address Lori Lightfoot. You know, just sort of like Republicans talking to Donald Trump. Like Michael, you're great. You're wonderful. You're beautiful. You know, the sun rises and sets on you. That's how you have to do it. Ken Davis? <laughs> Anyway, I just had a, I just share that with folks. That's a pretty funny letter. Started off, you know, I'm going to say something, but first of all, say all the wonderful things about you. Anyway, that's why I put her on there, because I think she's done a pretty good job being uh, in charge of the city at this time. So once again, his top five, instead of Biden, uh, Lori Lightfoot, Michelle Obama, Cory Booker, Andrew Cuomo, and J.B. Pritzker. By the way, New York Post put an article out. Ben, they may have heard your list on Wednesday. A majority of Democrats want to nominate New York Governor Andrew Cuomo for president instead of Joe Biden. This is according to poll results shared exclusively. Ooh, exclusively with the Post. The national poll found 56% of Democrats prefer Cuomo, with 44% wanting to stick uh, with wow. the nominee Biden. A 12 point margin, well outside the 4.8% margin of error for the Democratic sample. Hispanic voters, young people, women, and self identified liberals are most likely to favor dumping the former <laughs> vice president for Andrew Cuomo. Yeah. This poll conducted April 3rd through 6th was commissioned by the conservative pro-market Club uh, for Growth. Uh, oh, you sound like you're a huge fan <laughs> of that group. No, I'm just now suddenly dubious. They of the generally yeah. support Republican candidates. Yeah, yeah. Cuomo denied last month that he wanted to run for president, uh, but some Democrats still are clamoring for anything besides Joe Biden, who faded from public view during the coronavirus outbreak which elevated cuomo in daily press conferences yeah all right let's just break that down it's a poll done by a conservative outfit uh and it's uh, published in the new york post a conservative newspaper a maga hat wearing newspaper so you really have to question the credibility of the poll uh and generally what i'd say that that is an attempt to sort of you know really gnaw away uh, at the the divide that I've been talking about all week between people like myself and the Democratic Party, uh, you know, try, try to exploit the feelings that I have. So like, oh, yeah, I'm not alone. Yeah. Uh, run, run even further away from Joe Biden. Uh, so, yeah. So I really I, I don't know if how valid that is. I don't you know, I listen, all the the Biden uh, supporters that I talk to and I talk to a lot are sticking with Joe. And they're always like, Ben, stop complaining. Ben, fall in line. You know, it takes a little while, doesn't it, D? It takes a little while. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a little skeptical about that poll. You know, I think the Republic that's some kind of Republican scam. They're up to well, it's no It's funny because people are a little skeptical of your list on Wednesday. Oh, well, come on. the list. What a beautiful list. Yeah, that list was at the height of where I was really feeling, no. <laughs> We had no wait no the, yeah that was right when um, Bernie announced that he was uh, was that right before or right when I can't remember now did Bernie announce had already had he already announced that he was stepping down yeah that's that, why we did the list yeah well no I I mean I may have I've been thinking of that list for a while <laughs> uh, even before Bernie stepped out because it's pretty obvious to me that uh, Bernie Sanders was not going to be the nominee it was pretty obvious to me that the overwhelming majority of voters in the Democratic uh, 
primaries did not want Bernie Sanders to lead them. That's why I didn't put Bernie on the list, because I think it was unrealistic to ask Democrats to accept a man that they voted against uh, to be their leader. So anyway. So we did that list on Wednesday. Highly debatable. Uh, Good times, though. Everybody uh, went on the live stream chat and on Facebook and uh, gave the business to Ben. Good times. Uh, So Ben thought, hey, let's double down on this. He gave us another list on Thursday. It was his top five vice presidential picks. And I'm looking here on our Facebook page. That list was... Stacey Davis Gates of the Chicago Teachers Union, uh, former vi- uh, former presidential candidate Elizabeth Warren. Uh, it says here Val Dennings was yeah, one. Congresswoman from uh, Florida. Uh, Kamala Harris and then Stacey Abrams. Those were his five. Ben, how are you feeling about that list today? I, I like that list. That's a pretty good list. I, I, uh, a lot better than that last one. <laughs> no, I thought the, the presidential list is okay. Uh, JB, just ahead of Cuomo. The attitude in that list is that you'd want a governor uh, who has shown competency in the midst of the crisis because the crisis is the overwhelming issue that we're facing at this moment. It's it's uh, not only dealing with the health considerations of the people in this country, trying to get, get us through this, uh, this dangerous uh, pandemic, but also what to do in the aftermath uh, in terms of getting us out of a recession or depression even. So you want somebody who uh, un, you know, has empathy, and uh, compassion and believes in science and is rational and logical uh, and can handle you know high pressure situations and I think the governors are showing they're on the front lines in this thing so uh, they're showing a lot and that's why I thought it might be a good idea uh, to put a governor in there but um, you know it looks like the Democratic Party is going to stick with Joe Biden so all right, so before we get to today's news, let's uh, read the comments that people uh, sent us on the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page. You can do the same, by the way, at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, on both Facebook and Twitter. Also, feel free to send us an email, Show at gmail.com. Oh, and I got to find it on my phone. I'm going to give it out before we uh, end the show today. We have a phone number. <laughs> I got us a phone number. I did not know we have, that. Yeah, I told you last week. I forgot. Uh, we have a bit <laughs> surprise, surprise. Wait a minute. We have a, so people can call us right now in the air? Yeah, well, not right now because I got to give the phone number. I got to go look for it. But I remember I did that uh, last weekend while being extremely bored. Uh, we have a phone number. Yeah, I think it's a 708 number. Turns out a 773 and 312 numbers are taken. But uh, yeah, we have a Bendrovsky Show phone number. So that'll be cool. Maybe you can leave us a voicemail. You can like prank us or something. That'd be fun. Uh, so Okay, so let's read these comments from Facebook. I'm going to give that phone number uh, out to everybody before we get out of here today, maybe at the end of the program. Uh, but uh, quite a few of you weighed in on Ben's vice presidential uh, list here. Well, first off, uh, Stacey Davis Gates's brother, Henry Davis Jr. weighed in. He said, you guys just won't quit. SDG has my vote. <laughs> Henry, Henry, I had to put you on the list. Okay. Henry Davis, of course, a councilman from South Bend, Indiana, comes on the show from time to time. Very critical of Mayor Pete. Uh, had probably as much influence uh, as any citizen of South Bend uh, in sort of exposing Mayor Pete's uh, issues, if you put it uh, put it that way, euphemistically, with black residents of his town. Anyway, I had to put you on the list, but Joe Biden made it clear 
that uh, he was going to select a woman. So I took your sister instead, all right? He doesn't make a lot of things clear, but if there's one thing that he made clear, it was that, okay, guys? If he goes back on that, oh. oh I said that? I should, what? Uh, yeah, that's horse pucky. I didn't say that. All right, shout out to our good friend Candace Castillo. Uh, she weighed in as well. She said, uh, you missed a few. What about Delia Ramirez or Jeanette Taylor? Uh, I de- okay, thank you, Candace. I dealt with Jeanette Taylor. I love Jeanette Taylor. She's a frequent guest in the show, the older woman. JT20. From the 20th Ward. I just, you know, Jeanette, she comes on the show. She lets the, has she ever dropped the F-bomb? Yeah, more than likely. (laughs) I love Jeanette Taylor dearly, and I would wholeheartedly vote for her uh, for vice president, but I just think she might be a tough sell for the proverbial swing voter in Wisconsin. So, uh, of course, Stacey Davis-Gates may be a tough sell for them as well. But our, I love Jeanette Taylor. Our friend Jennifer went on the Facebook page and weighed in with her thoughts here. She says, my guess and vote is Stacey Abrams. I've been thinking this for a few weeks now. I don't think Joe Biden would pick a candidate that ran for president. Huh, that's interesting. If Joe Biden were to pick Stacey Abrams, that would be a bold move on Joe Biden's part that I would never see coming. So like I said yesterday, my the, if I had to put money in Vegas, I'd uh, put it on Kamala Harris. She makes a lot of sense from a lot of, but I love Stacey Abrams. I love the way the campaign she ran. She was defeated, but what, I mean, what a long shot campaign. She was running for governor of Georgia 2018 against Brian Kemp, a hardcore core MAGA hat wearer. Bizarre. Remember those commercials he he had? These really bizarre commercials featuring guns and pickup trucks and like threatening the boys that wanted to date his daughter or something. And uh, or, or am I mixing him up with Ron DeSantis, the, the hardcore MAGA hat I, where I, he, I, Sounds like you're mixing it up with a country music video. No, he had this was Brian Kemp. I think it was Brian Kemp. We 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 riffed on this. Uh, it would be like with the the uh, the young man is coming to court his daughter and. Uh, Kemp was like loading a gun while he talked to him. The kid's like, blah, blah. make sure you get my daughter home on time. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> Stacey Abrams did really well in that race. So I love I, lo- I love Stacey Abrams. But my guess is he's going to go with Kamala Harris. And as everybody knows, you know, I was drinking the Kamala Kool-Aid for a while, D. Oh, boy. Yeah, I remember that. The yeah. summer of 2019. I like Kamala Harris. Hey, Steve, what's going on, man? Steve put, uh, weighed in on the Facebook page. He said, Amy Klobuchar would be my pick. What do you think about Amy Klobuchar as vice president? Well, you know, Amy Klobuchar, I don't think she ever cracked my top five when I was ranking the, the Oh, candidates. I mean, that didn't matter with Cory Booker. You picked him to replace <laughs> Joe Biden. <laughs> That's true. Good point. That, good point there. Uh, but uh, I'm just saying she never uh, cracked my top five. I never really warmed up to Amy Klobuchar. Um, I, she seems so eager to uh, undercut any idealism that a Democrat might have. And she did this, you know, uh, in the guise of talking about how we have to be realistic. And uh, so we can't say things like, I want Medicare for all, because it's unrealistic. Uh, she was echoing Joe Biden there. So, you know, I know she's really popular with mainstream Dems. They really like her. I know like the columnist for the New York Times. Love her. In fact, the New York Times editorial board endorsed her. There was a tie, remember? They couldn't make their decision between her and Elizabeth Warren. Uh, so... I wouldn't be surprised, actually, now that you raise it, that Joe Biden takes her. But that just seems like doubling down. You know what I'm saying? She's cut from the same cloth as Joe Biden. If you take a Stacey Abrams, you're move, you got somebody from the left that could perhaps satisfy the lefties out there, like me, you know. Uh, and uh, Kamala Harris, um, she's a black woman. 
And so I think that would be a way of showing appreciation for like the heart and soul of the Democratic Party, the voters who like elect Democrats in, in really, without their votes, Democrats would not get elected is what I'm trying to say, such as Doug Jones down in Alabama. So though, that's why I would take either one of those two over Amy Klobuchar. All right, well, uh, you, you mentioned uh, Kamala Harris. Uh, Jill, she posted on the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. Jill says, my money is on Kamala because she's a dino like Joe. <laughs> it's on my lefty. I love our Le- listeners. Lefty listeners are hard. You know, they're hardcore. Those are awesome. Uh, I would say that Amy Klobuchar, first of all, no, I'm going to defend <laughs> Amy Klobuchar and uh, Kamala Harris. You know, they're Democrats. I've been following uh, Kamala Harris's uh, Instagram feed uh, in the last several months. She's really a powerful voice against Donald Trump, uh, his policies. And um, so, and she has been for a while. So I know when you say that she's dino, she's a Democratic name only, probably alluding to her time as attorney general in the state of California and uh, her reluctance, you know, the the fact that uh, she prosecuted people for uh, marijuana laws, uh, which is really hypocritical. Yeah. Uh, and is a leftover remnant of the insane war on drugs. But uh, I listen, it's I, it's possible uh, to be critical of what a Democrat has done in the past, and it's possible to be uh, disagree with a Democrat on this issue or that, and not just like say they're not a Democrat. I mean, I have, I, I think she falls within uh, the boundary of being a Democrat. That's just my opinion. All right, and the man who inspired this top five vice president list, our good friend Bab, weighed in. Uh, Bab says, I like Val, at least what I saw of her in the impeachment hearings. She's a great pick, great angle. Uh, Florida, of course, I know less about her than Stacey Abrams, but it's going to be Elizabeth Warren. No one cares that she's 70, says Babs. <laughs> First of all, a shout out to Bab. He was the one who got us going with this. Uh, he he suggested after I did my top five picks to replace Joe Biden uh, that we come up with the, the real pick. And he's absolutely correct. He, Bab is absolutely correct. That's correct. The reality is it's a long shot. You know, that fantasy I had on Wednesday, D, when uh, Bernie stepped down, that Obama would go up to uh, Biden and say, you know, do your Obama imitation. Oh, I, uh, Barack Obama? <laughs> And he would do it just like that, that he would go to Joe Biden and say, oh, Joe, maybe it's a good idea to step aside. That's not going to happen. Joe Biden's going to be a candidate. I know you have some clips of him. We're going to be playing and listen to him. And it sounds like he's sturdying himself up. Uh, so he's going to be the candidate. And I just got to get over that fact. So Bab said, come on, Ben, get over that fact. Uh, deal with the reality. The most important selection is vice president. And many of our uh, guests and uh, listeners are saying that that uh, if Biden's a weak candidate, it's, it's hugely important that he nominates somebody that could give confidence to the American voters uh, that, uh, what, there's someone of stable and sound mind in the White House? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I hate, it's kind of cynical, but uh, that's the underlying message that they're getting at. And so uh, Babs was absolutely correct. And he got us thinking about that. Uh, I, I don't know much about that. I mean, other than, as Bab pointed out, I thought she did a great job uh, during the proceedings and it put her on, you know, I just started paying attention to her a little bit, reading a little bit about her background. And she really literally is a, a cop. She was the police chief of Orlando. 
Uh, so I know, you know, a lot of lefties who uh, just don't trust police at all. I'm not cut from that cloth, not like that at all. And uh, so, yeah, I liked her. Put her on my list. Well, apparently Bab's got the uh, word on the Georgia streets as well here. He says, I've also heard progressives in Georgia say that they don't recognize the Stacey Abrams we're talking about. She wasn't even the progressive Stacey in the primary. That was Stacey Evans. So if you're thinking Abrams is too far to the left of Biden, word on the street is she's not. Yeah. Well, like I said, you know, if we... I play the litmus test game as much as anywhere, particularly in local democratic politics. You know, like you'll have a, a, you know, I don't follow, I know you think this is funny, Deeds, coming from me, but I used to like really obsessively follow every single ward, okay? So I knew all the candidates. I've kind of lost track of it a little bit as over the years. So I could tell you, well, this one was wrong on that issue. This one was right on that issue. This one was a little close to ROM. You know what I'm saying? So you like draw these distinctions and try to figure out who is better than the other, more perfect, more ideal than the other. And you get a little caught up in that. Uh, The reality is that every single one of these candidates is a vast improvement over the Republicans, in my humble opinion. And, uh, so, uh, you know, if there's more liberal or lefty or progressive candidates in Georgia, the reality is that Stacey Abrams is a black woman uh, running statewide. You know, I thought when she got in, what, 47, 48% of the vote is very impressive, showing her ability to relate with voters, connect with voters. So I, I, was, I was impressed. You know, okay, I don't follow Georgia politics uh, to that great degree to knowing, like, who is absolutely the most progressive in every issue. But I was impressed. So there you are, everybody. Thanks for weighing in uh, to all those who reached out to us on the Facebook page. You can do the same at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. Oh, boy, that top five list uh, got a lot of popularity there. Ben, you got any ideas for another top five list? Um, no, I was asking you the same thing. You're the one. No, you were the one who told me about Babs. That's, that's how it came. I always give you credit, but it was actually Babs. Hey, man, nope, I'm, op- I'm open for him. Top five list, top five Democrats to replace J.B. Pritzker if he becomes president of the United States as governor. There we go. Whoa, whoa that's, a, that's a future one there. <laughs> that's a future one. Remember when I did the top five list of women that I would was hoping would run for governor? Remember that issue back in 2018, D, when there were no women running oh, uh, and, for uh, governor? Oh, and you weren't fired yet. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. The radio days. Yeah. The AM radio days. <laughs> Before I got fired. Phone calls. By the way, we do have a phone number. And before, uh, I just don't have it on hand right now. I literally just remembered it when we were on the air. Uh, before we get out of here today, I'm going to give everybody our Ben Jarofsky show phone doing, number. How about doing some invitations to some of the old callers? Just one or two. Hey, come on. <laughs> All right. I guess that would be. Remember Adler? Yeah, no, do him. Come on. Come on. What do you want? <laughs> you talking to me? Yeah, we're talking to you. Adler, you're on the line. Talking to me? No, the other person named Adler. Huh? <laughs> I don't like red baiting. <laughs> he is always mad at me because I actually believed the uh, investigation into uh, what Trump did with the Russians was warranted. I mean, somebody hacked those computers. Remember Adler? That's I remember red baiting. On our bike rides home, I would always uh, do the Adler voice for Ben. We're breaking the fourth wall here. Uh, I would always do the Adler voice for Ben when we'd ride the bike. How are you talking to me? <laughs> and so I would tell him, because Ben, you are still new at the radio thing, right? So I would always keep you on your toes. And I said, hey, man. 
there's going to be a day where I just throw an Adler bomb at you. And you're like, what are you talking about? And so one day I knew we had Adler on the line and uh, I don't think Adler's ever going to listen to this podcast. That's a podcast. Yeah. I don't think he's, I, I don't think Adler's going to listen. I right? were letting the cat out of the Adler cat out of the bag here. He would call in our show was what? Two until five, right? Yeah, sounds about he right. He would call in at like two Oh five. Hey, let me on the air. <laughs> like, all right, hold on Adler. And I would just keep him on hold to like four fifty. Sometimes he wouldn't get on and he would hang up and call me back. Good. Hey, damn it. What's going on? Get me on here. Adler, hang tight. And so uh, there'd be days where I knew he'd be sitting on the line and Ben would be like, Hey D man, what do you got for me? I'm like, ah, oh, no, nothing much. How about Adler? And I would just hit Adler. Huh? You talking to me? Oh yeah. Good times. Uh, yeah. Adler guy. Lose it. He, uh, he, we have Mr. Bike on. Remember, he didn't like Mr. Bike? <laughs> oh, yeah, he didn't like Mr. Bike. He didn't like uh, Take Your Pick. He didn't like any of our guests. I don't even think he liked me. Uh, no, he liked you. He yeah, liked he you. Did, he, he did, did like you. Uh, you know, so anyway, I, uh, Dennis, would just so you know, Adler wasn't the only one he would imitate. He did a whole array. Pretty much everybody at that radio station, Dennis, would do an imitation of. All right, local news. Let's talk about it. Illinois Governor Jamie Pritzker. Big problems become Big problems huh. when you let small Dang. problems sit. And he'll be addressing that Hold big on. problem this afternoon at 2.30 with his COVID-19 press conference. Yesterday, it seemed like things are looking up. Let's hope the trend continues. Go watch it, 2.30, if you live in Illinois. Uh, turns out uh, more informative and less mind-numbing than when our president does these things. So, uh, yeah, go check that out if you're looking to get some information. And uh, although things are looking up, the citizens of Illinois did receive a bit of bad news on Thursday uh, during his Thursday COVID-19 press conference. Governor J.B. Pritzker suggested that summer festivals should be canceled. Mm. How do you feel? What comes to mind when you think, uh, when you think of that? Summer festivals. Lollapalooza? I'm, you know, everybody knows I'm not a big fan of uh, summer festivals. This uh, The front page of the Sun-Times has it all. You see this picture, D, of Lala and... Uh, Come on. Oh, look at all those Lollapaloozas. But what a headline. Bummer summer. Whoa. Oh, wait. No, I'm sorry. There's a question mark. Bummer summer? <laughs> Let's see what the Tribune says. Here we go. Chicago Sun-Times. Bummer summer? All right. Tribune's headlines. There you go. Read their headline. Governor warns of fests. You know what? I got to hand it to the Sun Times. <laughs> Finally, on this one, that was a that was a good. Finally, one. <laughs> they beat them every time. No, they don't. Governor warns of fast versus bummer summer uh, in the Sun Times, and then it shows all these. I don't even think they're millennials. No, they're millennials. And let me see it. Zillennials. I mean, zillennials. Uh, oh, those are so many millennials. That's a group of millennials right there. Bummer summer. Bummer summer. Hipster types. Um, you know, just really enjoying Lollapalooza. So what are festivals that you enjoy that when you hear this summer festivals canceled, what are you not going to be going to this summer? Well, I think I told you this. Uh, I like to go to the, uh, there's a Monday night. Um, <laughs> Dennis is laughing already. Oh right. my God. Yeah, you told me this off the air. I'm wanting uh, you to tell it on the air. Yeah. Uh, but you know, just repeating myself here. Uh, the Monday <laughs> Night concerts, Millennium Park. My wife loves those. I go with her sometimes to those. And the Jazz Festival, love the Jazz Festival and uh, World Music Festival. So there are some festivals that I like. Uh, oh, I how can I forget? Like uh, Taste of Chicago 
I'm going to really miss this. I, I got a feeling Taste of Chicago will be canceled as well. Uh, Taste of Chicago has like geezer night. You know, most of the acts are for younger people, but geezer night, like they had George Clinton last year. And I just love, like if you, the, the, when they bring the geezers, the Isley brothers, they had the Isley brothers went and saw that. I know Dennis is laughing. Oh my God, these old bands. Uh, who else did they have? The OJs. We saw the OJs, man, OJs. Isley Brothers, uh, George Clinton. I love Geezer Night at uh, uh, Taste of Chicago. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss that. I'm going to miss Geezer Night at Taste of Chicago. Anybody listening surprised <laughs> that Ben loves Geezer Night? Uh, yeah, I just, I'm telling you. Man, the George Clinton concert last year was one of the best concerts I've ever seen. And George Clinton, I don't know how old he is. He's got to be in his 70s now. He doesn't really move around much. He, you know, he just kind of stands there and waves his arms a little bit but he he's got a band that's it's a fantastic band and they're young people you know i'm surprised wow young people it's playing. like ozzy osborne it's when ozzy osborne plays he just just like waves his hands <laughs> oh, <I'm on! laughs> yeah george clinton is that's kind of what he does he's good and he you know he's just wearing this full-length robe and he's just kind of wandering around and you know i'm just assuming he's stoned out of his mind he's smiling boy the parallels of ozzy osborne and george clinton i yeah well i wouldn't make the comparison because i'm not a fan of ozzy osborne so i don't can't i don't think i can name one ozzy osborne song i only know him from that tv show you can name one ozzy osborne song can't you mm, there's the one that somebody else covered that i know what's that one <laughs> crazy train no mm. i can't name it there's my a mom so coming home Nope. Mr. Crowley? Nope. Never heard of any of these. Know any, of these. <laughs> any of these songs. But I love George Clinton. And uh, so anyway, so George Clinton killed it last year. And man, the OJs were awesome at Geezer Fest. So yeah, I'm gonna really miss Geezer Fest. Boy, he's gonna miss Geezer Fest, guys. <laughs> you know what it's like old people get to have every now and then, oh, we're gonna take care of the old people. Oh, thank you. Governor Pritzker said, quote, I do not see how we are going to have large gatherings of people again until we have a vaccine, which is months and months away. I would not risk having large groups of people getting together anywhere. That's hard for everybody to hear, but that's just a fact. And boy, the governor's not lying. It's pretty hard to hear, especially when we're just four months away from one of the most epic Springfield State Fair concert lineups imaginable. Too good to be true, I guess. <laughs> Puddle of Mud, LL Cool J, and Toby Keith. It's not going to be happening. I can't name one song by any of those three. Come on, you can name an LL Cool J song. Mama said knock you out. You know that song. Mm. I'm going to knock you out. Mama said knock you out. Wow, you did it so well. It just brought it home. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I don't know any. I, you know, you know, Dan, I'm, yeah, 1980s, kind of the cutoff line. So, Earlier in a separate briefing with reporters, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, she signaled a similar message saying, quote, we're not going to be comfortable coming out of these closures until we have a better sense that we're going to be able to do a much larger scale of testing. Lightfoot warned that some countries saw, quote, a huge spike in cases after uh, lifting draconian closures that helped bend the curve. So we're going to be extremely cautious before we will lift anything here locally. If you remember, uh, yesterday she announced uh, liquor stores will be closing at 9 p.m. But what that means, it'll be one strange summer, according to Shia Campos in Illinois Politico. But when this madness recedes, hopefully we'll take some comfort in knowing that maybe we helped save our neighbors. Yeah, I think the summer festivals are through. I, I, I hate saying it because I know people love them. I, and I, I joke about it. 
but when the Lollapalooza is going on, man, it's easy to get around town. It's almost like there is uh, the virus. Remember that, D, last, like no traffic anywhere? So, you know, yeah, I'm mourning for you, Chicago. I know this is tough for you. People love summer festivals in Chicago. It's just it's not my thing. I'm a, like kind of walk along the lake type of guy. Oh, shout out to Kyle Young on the live stream chat. Uh, he says, what's the mosh pit like at Geezer Fest? <laughs> It's a great question. That is a great question. <laughs> but you'd be happy to know, Kyle, uh, that a geezer fest, people have been doing social distancing long before it's fashionable. Like, don't get near me, all right? I'm old. I don't want your germs. Uh, but I'm going to tell you something. It's like something happens at geezer fest <laughs> where they hear the old music. And, you know, like Atomic Dog. George Clinton's group does Atomic Dog. And these guys... I mean, we may be in our 60s and our 70s, but all of a sudden, it's 1973 again, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> we got it. Okay. Look at this. So, yeah. So, Geezer Fest, when that music hits on, uh, people really come back to life. They lose 40 years just like that. Uh, but no mosh picks. Good question. Uh-uh. Anyway, uh. Geezer Fest. <laughs> Can you imagine George Clinton letting the crowd ride him? The old people, oh, my back just came out. <laughs> A crowd surfing. Crowd surfing at Geezer Fest. Oh, hey, guys, I have our phone number, all right? The Ben Jarofsky Show has a phone number. Maybe we'll do calls sometime. Ben loves phone calls, by the way. That was his favorite thing when we did the show on uh, the radio, wasn't it? I like phone calls. <laughs> You're lying to these people right now. <laughs> I, I mean, you know. You are lying I, I always appreciate, I much <laughs> appreciate uh, any guest that comes on my show. But everybody, you know, I prefer the uh, being live, looking at the person across a table, being able to look in their eyes and, you know, have a more meaningful conversation. We do it as best we can through Facebook Messenger here. But the, the phone call, I no, no, so let me correct you there, young Dennis. When Monroe would come on, Monroe Mondays, uh, on the old show, and he would engage the uh, Republicans and the MAGA hat wearers. That hey, Mitchell. Was, Shout out to Mitchell. He <laughs> was so, because I'll tell you what, Monroe can take them down. And then I remember they got scared. He's, he's good. He's scary. So, uh, so you know, you know. And, you know, they were okay, you know. Well, I, we're going to give the phone number out right now, everybody. The Ben Jarofsky Show phone number. And that's nothing catchy like uh, 708 Benny J or anything. Uh, 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. Call the Ben Jarofsky Show. Oh, my God. You're kidding me. You just, he just called it out. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> wow. Hello. That's really funny. Oh, I got a million of them. <laughs> but it worked. We're not lying. That is our phone number. Call us up. Maybe not right now, all right? It's a little too new, and I kind of got freaked out. Like, oh, my God, what oh do I do? Oh, my God. I, I need practice at this, all right? Maybe leave us a voicemail. That was really funny, Ben. Ben called oh, I got a million of them, ladies and gentlemen. Catch them. <laughs> it's Zanies. Yeah, once this is all over, he's coming to Maybe I'm going to do a geezer fest. Oh. You know, I'm going to be like the uh, the comic on stage before it's George Clinton. Hey, everybody. Uh, good to be here. Hey, let's get a mosh pit going. <laughs> All right, let's move on to some city news here. Uh, the following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. And 
Tommy Two Joints Shuba. <laughs> Tommy! That's right. Chicago Sun-Times reefer writer. We call him Tommy Two Joints. Uh, it says here, wife of clout heavy builder pushes to ban all pot businesses uh, yeah. from her Gold Coast neighborhood. <laughs> Patricia Walsh, whose husband heads the Walsh Group. Uh, ben, you, uh, you ever gone to uh, you, you know about the Walsh Group? Yeah, Joe Walsh. Hotel California, remember that song? Oh, Hotel California. <laughs> Joe Walsh, man, that's rock and not, roller. That's probably not. Oh, that's a different Walsh group. <laughs> the, oh, yeah. Patricia Sorry. Walsh, whose husband. No, of heads- course, I know about the Walsh group. They're a very cloud heavy construction uh, entity here in the Chicago area. Oh, yeah. Patricia Walsh is seeking to create a restricted cannabis zone mm. that would stop legal marijuana sales from an affluent swath Ugh. of the Second Ward. Ben, for 10 trivia points, who's the alderman of the Second Come Ward? Come on, Brian Hopkins. Uh, duh. Who do I work with? That's correct. <laughs> Who is the alderman before Brian Hopkins? Ice Cube. Okay, the wife of a Bob clou- Fioretti. The wife of a clouded Chicago construction boss. <laughs> Ice Cube. It's <laughs> my answer for everything. Uh, by the way, next Friday, great movie. Go ahead. All right. The wife of a clouded Chicago construction boss has launched a petition drive to keep pot shops out of her affluent Gold Coast neighborhood. And she's relying on a provision in state law that allows the city to ban all, that's (laughs) A-L-L-O, recreational weed businesses from entire precincts in the city. Patricia Walsh, who's married to the Walsh Group co-chairman Daniel Walsh, filed a notice of intent March 3rd with the Chicago City Clerk's Office to prevent any weed businesses, Mm. including dispensaries, cultivation centers, and pot transportation and infusion operations, probably one want me even riding my bike by there with <laughs> yeah. my weed in my backpack, from opening in a patch of prime real estate that stretches from Division Street to the North Elm Street to the South, Lakeshore Drive to the East, and Clark Street to the West. Uh, in her bid to stop cannabis businesses from opening, Patricia Walsh must now circulate a petition and collect signatures from 25% of registered voters in the precinct by June 1st. Yeah, with a pandemic, good luck, Patricia Walsh. Ben Jarofsky, your thoughts? <laughs> That's a good point. Um, well, first of all, this brings back memories of stories I used to write back in the day uh, where there were fights over trying to make a, a precinct a liquor-free. So I remember th- uh, fights like this back in the day. Uh, so let me just start with the obvious. That's the law gives neighbors the right to um, enact this provision that would prevent cannabis stores from operating within their district okay so let me just state the obvious she's just following the rules as they've been laid down and they were laid down in order to give some kind of local control all right that's so that's let me just get that out there having said that let me say this give me a freaking break you know just what what do they think is going to happen you know i mean this is like if they could they would just put make the whole a gated community. You know what I'm saying, D? A giant gated... Nobody's allowed in here except for us rich people. So, no, I have no sympathy for them. I I don't see the threat uh, in a, uh, a reefer. And by the way, it's not like people in that area don't smoke reefer, don't take edibles. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I'll tell you what, folks. Let's have the law be, if you don't allow a, a reefer store in your midst, you're not allowed to smoke it. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold okay, on. now hold on. <laughs> hold on. I love now. Logan Square. Now I like taking my visits there. Yeah, so we're just going to have other neighborhoods be the spots we go to to buy our reefer. 
Come on. What are you guys scared of? I, I, I mean, what, what do you think is going to happen? Like, what, the, the, you know, the, it, it reminds me of a time. I shouldn't even go on this tangent here, but there was tangent, there, tangent, there was tangent. a, uh, it, it's not, it was like a, a, a store. I don't, I can't remember the name of it. And I probably don't want to say the name, even if I could remember the name, but uh, they, uh, they sold sex toys and stuff. Mm. And uh, the, the residents in the area, I remember they called me up. They wanted me to write an article saying how outrageous it was that the store was there. What were their kids going to think? And I'm like, I didn't know what to say, D. I'm like, what are you, do you realize what's on TV, right? <laughs> what your kids are exposed to all the time? Yeah, I'm like, like what are my kids going to think? There's a sex toy store over there. I, I don't know. And then the, the lady who was leading the charge moved, ended up moving to the suburbs. I'm sure there's sex toy stores in the suburbs. So I don't, this notion that you're going to be protected somehow or other, just have the reefer st stores in Logan Square. We'll go there, like you said, D, you know, but not in our neighborhood. Why don't you just put a giant gate around it, okay? Nobody's allowed into the Gold Coast anymore. So your, your basic point is a good one. It's going to be really tough getting 25%. By the way, it's not, I, my understanding, I could be wrong in this, but if it's anything like the... Uh, the rules governing uh, getting precincts dry, voting precincts dry, the the other side has a opportunity to challenge your signatures and your petitions. So it's not like you know the reefer dealers are going to go down without a struggle on this one. So I don't know. I listen. It's it's in the rules. They're within their rights. But I think it's ridiculous. Walsh did not respond to repeated requests for comment about the effort, though she is a member of the Gold Coast Neighbors Association, which has been helping collect signature. A quote, a strong majority of residents in the area, which is a few blocks from where Illinois pro pot governor J.B. Pritzker lives, oppose allowing proposed weed businesses in the area. Uh, that's according to association president Vern Broders. We have, uh, or Broders, I don't know. We had a quote from a, uh, Broder Broders, uh, the quote here, quote, we just don't believe it belongs in the middle of our residential neighborhood. Broders told the Sun-Times last month, adding that pot businesses could, quote, give rise to more crime in the area. Yeah, man, that's more crime. By the way, you going to let deliveries? We had Sonia Harper on the show yesterday, State Representative Sonia Harper, uh, Pride and Joy of Englewood, talking about her bill that would allow uh, deliveries. Uh, you know, from uh, legal deliveries as opposed to the kind that Dennis gets all the time from, uh, you know, uh, his his dealer. Just kidding. Uh, and no, really. you're not. <laughs> hey, if, uh, if, if, I just want to give a shout out to my uh, local weed dealer, man. Hey, buddy, uh, as long as you're still selling it, I'm still buying it, buddy. Uh, you and me till the end. Uh, uh, Nickelbag Bernie, I, I think is his name. Anyway, um, uh, so, you know, are they going to allow deliveries? Again. I'm sure a lot of the people in this area, a lot of the people who are signing this petition uh, are probably smoking the stuff and taking the stuff. You know, maybe they don't want to have to schlep all the way out to Logan Square. Maybe they want to take advantage of deliveries. So they got to wait. Are they going to allow deliveries, D? Or just are, they, are deliveries going to be banned within your area, too? I'm saying if you don't allow the, the, the store, you shouldn't allow deliveries. You know, you're going to have to get up and go over to Logan Square. I'm tired. Have the guy come in. All right. So we're going to put a button on that. And, uh, you know, I hope uh, 
I hope you fail. Uh, <laughs> I hope you guys fail. Just to it's going to be it tough, though. Bluntly. But you're absolutely correct. In this day and age, getting people to sign a, a wow, that's going to be tough. You know, it's going to be yeah. really tough. Like guys, it's legal. You could put up shops. Quit trying to do this weird thing you're doing. I hope you all fail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the views and opinions of Doctor D are not necessarily those of the Ben Dreska Show. But in no particular case, I'm with you 100. percent All right, we're going to keep you informed on these stories as today's program rolls right along. Uh, and well, it's about two o'clock, so I guess we're going to get to our interview here with Monita Irizarry and Lori Glenn. Guys, we hope you have a great weekend, and don't worry, we got Benny J bonus interviews coming up this weekend as well. Uh, so hang tight, we'll be right back. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, and yes, we're live from Ben's house. Maybe, uh, we hear the brown line coming? Oh, I was gonna say, maybe we can open up the no, window real quick. No, Wait. but I'm not making this up. While you were talking, you didn't see it. Uh, our friend in the flip flops and the camo jacket. Oh, pink flip flop man. <laughs> He made an appearance, but you were busy reading. Uh, oh, what was he doing? <laughs> He's actually, I'm not making this up, jogging. but <laughs> Doing a little alley jogging, huh? He's getting in shape. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, uh, the things I see you know, in the alley. I don't mean to say bad things about a pink uh, flip-flop uh, camo jacket guy, but <laughs> uh, what kind of shady person jogs in the alley? You know, it's I, like the movie Rear. Do you ever see Rear Window, D? Rear Window, one of the greatest movies no, of all time. Never Alfred seen Hitchcock it. movie. In, Alf- in, in, Re- in Rear Window, which is a great flick, I urge everybody to run, don't walk to see it. Uh, uh, Jimmy Stewart plays a photographer who has is confined to his apartment because he has a broken leg, and just the, you know he's locked in there. It's like a he's constantly looking through his window into the building across the courtyard from him. And he's just paying attention to what's going on. And the things he sees, not giving anything away, involving a certain actor named Raymond Burr, who played Perry Mason. Anyway, it's I feel very Jimmy Stewart-esque sitting up here in my attic, looking out at the alley and watching what people are doing in the alley. It's a bringing back Rare Window. Great flick, by the way. So make sure you go uh, download our Benny J. Bonus interviews Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. As uh, About 5 in the morning, I think we dropped those. Both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. And wherever else you download your favorite podcast, I got the window cranked open here. Once a week, we're going to try and do this, all right? When the brown line comes by the train, hopefully it's coming by. Is it selling? It's coming? Ah, no, that's Wait, an is airplane. that an airplane? Yeah, that's an airplane. Damn. Wait, hold on. Choo-choo. That's oh, the Metra. <laughs> yeah, the me- Ben lives right by the Metra and the brown line. Great got podcasting studio we got here. Yeah. Good times. All right, so... Damn, I was hoping the brown light would come by before we ended this. I guess we're going to just take a break here, guys. Uh, If you haven't heard the new song yet, our good friend Michael Girardi reached out to us and sent us an email. The song is called The Editorial Board. He said he's going to send us more songs. Like I said uh, at the opening of the show, I think by the end of this pandemic, old Michael Girardi is going to have himself a full album, all right? (laughs) Wouldn't that be cool, Michael? Man, you'd be the most productive dude in this whole thing. All right, let's hear the editorial board. Weigh in with your thoughts, and when we come back, we're going to have Lori Glenn and Juanita Irizarry. Correct. The candidate most likable. 
Hey everybody, how's it going? We're back. All right, let's reach out to our guests, Juanita Irizarry and Lori Glenn. Ben, what are you guys going to be talking about here? Bernie, Biden, Lori Lightfoot. What else? Um, Donnie Trump. The, Lori Glenn was very, uh, She when I was talking to her before the show, she had a lot of nice things to say about Lori Lightfoot. So get to hear what she has to say. All right. Hello. Lori, Juanita. Hi. Is that Lori? Hi, Dad. Welcome to the Hi. show. And, and Juanita? Thank you. Is Juanita yeah. there as well? All right, we got them both. Hi, I'm here. All right, uh, Lori Glenn, Juanita Irizarry, come on the show. Uh, you guys come on about once a month, and uh, I first invited you, uh, we were was saying it was about, I've lost track of time, uh, it was to... Um, sort of defend Lori Lightfoot, as I recall. That was the first one. So, uh, And then you just did such a great job. I've been bringing you on ever since. Love talking politics with the two of you. And Juanita, I want to. Uh, I just got your text, so I just want to say my yeah. condolences to you. There's been a tragedy. Someone died in your family, and uh, I appreciate yeah. you coming on, uh, you know, doing the show right now. So my condolences to you and your family, and I appreciate you uh, very much still doing yeah, this. So thank you. You're a real trooper. Wave of emotion come over me, but uh, I'm here. Okay, all right, and there you are, literally. Well, there's Lori uh, and the Juanitas. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny because uh, I'm not going to really tease Lori too much, uh, but Lori, <laughs> Lori and I are of the baby baby boomer persuasion. And when she heard that was Facebook Messenger, she had that moment of panic, like, wait, what yeah. does this work? <laughs> oh no! Okay, here's, here's me. With- Excuse me with all my gray for those of you who can't see me. Juanita is, she's, Juanita, you are uh, a spring chicken compared to me, that's for sure. And uh, Lori's a spring chicken compared to me, too. She's younger than me. But anyway, the moment of panic, I could hear it in Lori. Wait a minute, what is, Lori, I've been there so many times, okay? My kids set up this virtual phone thing. I was like, huh, what? Right now, I'm like, my computer doesn't work. I'm like, Dennis, can you fix the computer? I'm busy. So uh, anyway, uh, so uh, anything you want to promote or talk about? Just, Lori, you're very involved in all kinds of political things before we get into the issues of the day. But anything you want people to know about your your world? Uh, Any messages you want to shout out right now? Yes, well, I am, you know, again, given this horrible moment in um, our lives, our, all of our lives, uh, I have been working on this project I told you all about, Partnership for Safe and Peaceful Communities is our client, and uh, working with communities, partnering for peace, and Chicago, Cred, and uh, Ready Chicago, uh, we are moving what we had dubbed Peace Chicago 2020, which was happening the first week of June, and are moving that to uh, September 21st through the 27th, which is very exciting. I totally wish I had not put my picture on because now I'm looking at myself, which is highly distracting. (laughs) You look beautiful. Don't worry. uh, I will say that... uh, um, uh, I'm very excited. Lori Lightfoot, Mayor Lightfoot, has agreed to continue to be the honorary chair. Um, It will be, uh, we will continue this whole week of activities. 
starting Monday the 21st. And uh, shout out to Juan Salgado, the head of the Chicago of the City Colleges, who's going to continue to support this effort with the Chicago Peace Summit and help to pay for it, which we are grateful for, as well as uh, the Chicago Tribune, as well as WTTW and uh, Expo Chicago, Tony Carmen, our great art exposition in the world, and other players have agreed, WTTW have all agreed to join us, as will many others, but we're just recreating the week now and just found out we could move this and hoping that we'll be one of the first uh, weeks that have public events as well as virtual events and we can reconvene as a community and we're sort of broadening this a little bit because really Peace Chicago was about peace in uh, the sense of physical peace of public safety and anti-violence and anti-gun violence but I think our work is always the groups we represent are all about trauma-informed work. And now we are really dealing with trauma every day of our lives. And this will be about peace of our body, mind, and soul as we heal from the trauma of COVID-19. Wow. Just thinking about um, getting out of this uh, traumatic moment, I'm hoping that by September, uh, we'll be back to something relatively normal. We were talking about how the possibility, the reality that many of the um, the summer concerts will be canceled. That's been the story of yeah. the today in the front page of the paper. So yeah. um, I'm hoping that we will uh, be able to uh, go about our regular lives uh, by September. But who knows? Juanita, in your, um, your day job, of course, uh, your executive director, mm-hmm. Friends of the Parks, uh, and we always make a point when you come on the show, you're speaking for yourself not for the group, right? So let's just get that clear. That's right. Uh, And and, uh, let's just talk about the parks right now. Um, The things that uh, Mayor Lightfoot put the ban on going to the lakefront parks uh, after that first really nice day when hundreds of people flocked to the parks. Um, Talk about this. Uh, First time I can ever recall a ban. You can't go to the lakefront parks. Wow. Yeah. It's a tough issue. Um, You know, personally, I had just come home from uh, a vacation in Florida as things were shutting down here in Illinois and Chicago. And I had personally witnessed um, beach parties of spring breakers while I was already personally kind of plugged into the idea that coronavirus was a thing and that we needed to wash our hands and be careful and social start the social distancing thing. So within that context, for me personally, um, watching pretty big crowds on Chicago's lakefront, I could understand why the mayor would feel the need to close them down, even though it's tough for Chicago's psyche to not have open access to our lakefront, it's our personality as a city to to recognize that that is our jewel and our treasure, um, and it is part of our individual public, our individual health, you know, physically and mentally. But it's also an important public health issue that we not congregate, and we've shown repeatedly that we can't stay away from the lakefront if left to our own devices. So. Um, you know, it, it really stinks, um, but it's the right thing. On the other hand, 
if I could have been at the table, I might have asked, you know, to see the data about whether some of the south side lakefront sites were having the same problems as the north side sites. There are some very underutilized south side lakefront spaces that probably were not the problem at right. the time, right? Um, but we have, um, as Chicagoans, need to collectively um, recognize that this is not a normal circumstance and we got to cope in other ways. We are, however, super thankful that other parks are still open because they are an important part of our getting out of the house on rare occasion, you know, for health reasons, mental health and physical health reasons. So it's well, crazy time. It is a crazy time. Juanita, when you go about the city and you see people playing soccer uh, or playing basketball, this is one of the things that uh, Mayor Lightfoot responded to, uh, yeah. and it sort of triggered her. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like disbelief. Like people don't get yeah. it. Uh, right. Yeah, they think that they're immune or they have special license. You know, the the same actual day that the lakefront and the 606 got shut down, and I live very close to the 606. I my husband had gone for a walk in another park away from the 606 because we had found it too crowded. And we saw a few guys playing soccer, and we saw a few guys playing basketball. And to be honest with you, I don't know if those four guys playing basketball were brothers and all live in the same household, and they were so isolating, but I didn't go ask them, you know. And we stayed away, right? But the truth is, even if they were doing something appropriate, it looks to others like it's probably not the right thing to do, and that inspires other people to do the same, right? So... You know, we do see now that there are basketball nets being taken down in, in at least some of the parks in Chicago because people continue to go out and still try to play contact sports. So um, people need to not do that. It's not safe for them. It's not safe for the people they go home to. And we all need to care for one another right now. Well, I hope that, so, I, well, I hope that when this crisis uh, abates, They'll put the basketball court, uh, basketball hoops back up. Okay, uh, you know, Absolutely. they just don't use Absolutely. an excuse to take the basketball hoops down, which was a problem in this city in right. terms of taking basketball hoops down back in the nineties. Uh, you were going to say something. Well, more? and there's, and let me just say, there are some places where the basketball hoops have been down for a long time and haven't gone back up, and that is a real issue too. So we do need to watch that. Lori. So I think that this is obviously a larger issue of the fact that. We're seeing also in the black community in particular, even more than in the brown community and certainly much more than the white community, the COVID-19 is really impacting and killing people of color at a faster rate. And the Chicago Tribune has an editorial that just went up that Laura Weber wrote. Um, and Autry Phillips from Target Area Development Corporation and um, Matt, um DiMatteo, who is the executive director of New Life Centers, Denise, our group target works in the Auburn Gresham community, including the village. And really, the editorial starts with Autry Phillips' frustration in with these young guys. And he's talking about these young men, they're shrugging off the coronavirus pandemic, gathering on street corners. He said, there's like I pull up and there's 90 guys just standing around, no masks, no gloves. This is hard for me. I'm asking them to please stay at home. And they say to him, 
well, we're going to die before we're 25. So why should I care about coronavirus? My life isn't worth anything. And this is horrifying as a city. And this is actually not just in Chicago, as we know. This is happening in cities across the country. This uh, divide between uh, people of color and uh, quote unquote white people. And it's also a, obviously a class issue. So I think that it, we have to be thinking about the fact that whether or not people are gathering in parks and no, we don't want to see our beloved parks shut down. But if people aren't valuing themselves and their own lives, and what have we done to these young people that they don't think they're, they're valued or of value? Yeah, that, uh, that's, that's a disturbing story that you just told. A very bleak and nihilistic attitude. Uh, but given the, the reality of life in Chicago, I can see why uh, people would have, might have that notion. Uh, the one thing I was teasing Lori Lightfoot about when, with that proclamation when she closed the part, I had a little fun with it. It was that it was completely predictable that Chicago would react the way it did. Because when that first day of beautiful, it was a beautiful, warm day. It was like the first nice day in a week or so. And Juanita, you were, I think you said you were out of town. So you weren't here. You know how that transition is in the city of Chicago. You have a rough winter, maybe two weeks, yep. you're sort of locked in your house. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you get a nice day. And it's just the impulse to flock outside. It's it's so classic Chicago because we deal with this every yep. year with winter. And my, I just teased Lori Lightfoot by saying, you know, there might have been somebody in the uh, city hall with the weather app on their phone so they would have known that it was a nice day. You might have been a little preemptive because she acted as though it was so shocking that people would be uh, flocking to the lakefront. Uh, so just gentle teasing of our mayor and um, having a little fun there, uh, pointing out the obvious that, you know, they got to stay on things too. It's not just blaming all Chicagoans uh, for what they're doing. That said, Lori Glenn, you're very, um, you're very complimentary of the mayor and the governor. Talk about that. Uh, you think they've done an outstanding job uh, running things uh, since we've hit this uh, pandemic. Well, let's just be clear that we start with who's the person on top uh, that I don't ever feel like I want to call him our president. But, you know, when you look at the lack of national response and the coordination that we would have all expected to see from someone who's called the president of what is called the United States of America, and when he is four states to be competing against one another for equipment to deal with what is a national pandemic or international pandemic, certainly national. Uh, we have not received uh, clear answers, clear direction, and certainly clear leadership uh, from him or his team. And uh, except for, of course, our beloved Dr. Fashi, who we are so grateful to have there. Uh, somehow still being there, as they say, he's the Trump whisperer. But um, I, I have to say that J.D. Pritzker and Mayor Lightfoot have shown tremendous leadership at this time. Sorry, I am a fan. And, you know, I'm not, I've not been close to the um, J.D. Pritzker's people. They've 
I've not been a part of their Pritzker team. You know, I don't have, I actually know Juliana Stratton and a bunch of the deputies there, as I know Juanita does as well, Salt Flores, Christian Mitchell. I like these people, but uh, I've not been a part of Team Pritzker per se, but boy, I've joined now because he has come out, he's come out strong. He's provided the kind of leadership that we need. He has, whether or not we need the thousand beds at McCormick Place, I'm glad they're there, that he's getting the ventilators. For those people who are being naysayers, saying he's only uh, focused on Chicago, that's not true. He has been focused statewide to provide what the citizens of this state need. And, you know, Lightfoot, has done a terrific job. As we know, she's hilarious. Who knew our mayor was so funny? And I'm glad to see her using that humor because as other people will say, I'm scared shitless of her at the same time. Like, you know what? Lori Lightfoot mad at you. <laughs> I mean, seriously, she's like pint size but powerful. And like, she really, you know, like, I would not want to see the eye of Lightfoot on me, like that. <laughs> so I think it's hilarious and wonderful to use humor to get us to stay the fuck home. Just stay home. Like, I'm home. Here we are. Here's the bedroom. I'm home sitting on the ground with my, like, back pillow and trying to be ergonomic. And you know, believe me, nobody likes this, but we all have to do it. And thank God these two people are saying, say the fuck home. Now, I've only said fuck oh now three times. Yeah. Before- <laughs> it's a podcast. <laughs> Sorry, uh, it, it's a podcast. <laughs> it, if, if you were running for state's attorney, Bill Conway would have a commercial about this and uh, it would be bleeping okay. you well, out. I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not be running. in trouble. And it's okay, Doki. That's why I have a consultant. So, so Juanita, do you uh, share uh, Lori's uh, views about uh, the mayor and the governor? Absolutely. I, I do think the memes are fun and cute, and I'm glad the mayor has a sense of humor about um, about the memes and and has you know been keeping it light to a degree. Um, but yeah, I mean it's obvious, and it's even more glaringly obvious as we contrast with what we're seeing from the White House. Um, that our, our local and state leadership um, have been um, strong, as have, um, you know, many other governors, um, and they've had to step up to the plate um, without any coordinated federal response, as there should be. So, and, you know, unfortunately, we're not surprised because we know who uh, the guy who we don't want to call president is. Um, and, you know, true to his um, ways of doing things, you know, every single thing he has done, even when he did something right, it was a day late and a dollar short. So, um, thankful that we have the leadership that we have, um, locally, even if, you know, personality issues or other things aside, um, they've been strong leaders through this time. All right, let's shift gears to the national, uh, uh, front and, uh, Lori Glenn, you were openly, you were a big supporter of Bernie Sanders. Uh, Bernie dropped out this at the start of this week. Uh, and uh, Joe Biden's going to be the nominee. And yeah. So, general thoughts on this? 
Well, we're definitely, you know, Joe Biden is the guy. And uh, I am going to do everything I can to get him elected to be president since we haven't had one for almost four years. So we need to have someone strong in there. And we know there's going to be a woman VP and hopefully a woman of color. Um, and they're dangling that in front of us now. So we'll find out shortly. And um, I was reading this story in the Washington Post today that says, well, who's going to fill the Bernie shoes? Because the next election, he'll be 82. So we don't think he's going to be running again at that point. So you never know with this guy, I have to say. But they sort of pointing out whether or not there's really any uh, ongoing social movement that came out of Bernie. And that's absolutely ridiculous because clearly Bernie ignited an entire generation to become engaged. And actually here in our home state of Illinois, I want to call out and shout out to Congressman Jesus Chewy Garcia. Hey, Chewy, wherever you may be, uh, at that he has, he went on the Bernie train early on over four years ago, and he was a surrogate all across the country for Bernie. And that helped catapult Chewy into the national limelight as he also ran for mayor. And in the past four years, as he then became our beloved congressperson, he used his coattails to build an entire of powerful Latino leaders uh, across the board. Uh, Juanita, you can help me here probably with some of their names, but Aaron Ortiz and others who's just eluding me at the moment, the senior moment. But uh, amazing group of young, powerful Latino, Latina leaders. And that is as a result of Chewy using his coattails and the power of his role and the work that he's done with Bernie Sanders, who has invigorated, I believe, the whole town. And look at, we have a slew, at least six of them, Democratic Socialists on our city council, who are wonderful, powerful young leaders. And we can move on, go on from there. So I think that Bernie Sanders has had a tremendous impact on both policies of our country and the policies we will have in our country, as well as the growing young leaders that he motivated and activated to become um, our next generation. Juanita, do you feel the same way? Yeah, I mean, he's been very clear in his messaging that this is a, a movement that's about us, not about him. Um, and again, as, as Lori mentioned, there's lots of exciting folks here in Chicago who have um, been encouraged if not initially inspired um, by Bernie in particular, um, and who have you know been really you know made it made their way onto the scene in the last four years, um, and that's just Chicago. I'm sure there are many stories like it all over the country. Um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of who who really rises to the top of that space in the next few years. Well, I, I have to tell you that I'm a little disappointed. I'm working through it. On many levels, I'm disappointed, but I'm working through it, Lori Glenn and Juanita. I and I and I'll and I'll tell you, there's so many things that have disappointed me about this primary season. But one is this this 
this notion of Democrats being so pragmatic that they are constantly looking for candidates that they think are most electable as opposed to looking to candidates who are championing the themes that they believe in and they reflect their values. And this pragmatism that is at play, I think is sort of self-defeating because if you continually undercut your message, if you continually dilute your message, if you constantly say that we can't accomplish the things that we think and we know that we need to do, like Medicare for all, then you'll never get it. And it's like a defeatist mentality. And so now everybody's supposed to embrace Joe Biden, even though Joe Biden spent most of this electoral season dismissing the uh, reality, what, dismissing the possibility that we can get, ever get the things that Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren champion. And so I find that a little disappointing. It's not, it's not that easy for me to jump aboard the bandwagon. I will vote you know, for whoever the Democrat <laughs> is. But it's, it's not that easy for me to jump aboard the bandwagon. I think that's self-defeating. I've never heard a Republican talk about, let's say, like, what's the universal thing that, that binds all Republicans? Oh, tax breaks for wealthy people. I never heard a Republican say, oh, that's, that's destructive. That'll uh, cause deficits. We won't be able to afford government. That pe- wealthy. I never heard a Republican dismiss tax breaks for wealthy people the way so many Democrats dismiss national health care and i would argue that medicare for all national health care plan is far more important and necessary to our country than anything the republicans have come up with so i'm i gotta tell you guys i'm a little disappointed at at this point in time right well i mean it's understandable i mean as somebody who has supported bernie sanders and i voted for him in the primary and I've spoken about my support, I have gotten a lot of pushback from people who think I must be really stupid. It's really kind of extraordinary, the things that people have said to me when I say I actually support Bernie or I support his policies. And then they go into a diatribe about all the things, Ben, you just talked about, right? You know, and that even AOC says, gee, it's like, I'm an extremist because I think people should have health care. I'm an extremist because I think people should have education. I'm an extremist because I think people should have jobs or access or equity issues. And then people are like, but there's nothing extreme about taking all the money that we have and funding and putting that into the military industrial complex, and that's okay. Or there's nothing extreme about Jamie Dimon making $50 billion or $50 million or whatever he gets, which is an obscene amount of money for any CEO to get. So I get that. It's very painful to then have to then sequester oneself into the Democratic Party, so to speak, as like, go, oh, now I'm going to be part of a group of people who made fun of me. Yeah, yeah. But I- we have to, you know, like, seriously, I mean, I don't know that I share values with all these people who think I'm not that smart because I think Bernie was a brilliant candidate. And at that last debate, when he and Biden spoke, that I was just so fearful that Bernie Sanders, I could tell at that time, was not going to be the Democratic nominee and he would never be our president. And I was sad because Joe Biden's an OK guy. And I think Joe Biden will make a good president. But I think Bernie would have been great. 
And that's just my feeling. But I think Ben and Juanita, we all have to get on this Biden wagon or train because our ambivalence, um, I was at, at my Zadar, you know, my Zoom Zadar yesterday <laughs> uh, with my friend Nancy Alexander. Shout out to Nan and her husband Steve and um, uh, Nia and Miles. That uh, and Nia, uh, I'm so I'm I'm like going to talk about you, Nia. So now you guys are going to have to listen to this podcast. But she is a 20-some-year-old uh, woman of color who said. I love Bernie and I'm not in love with Biden. And actually it was interesting to watch Steve argue that as a uh, African-American male of a certain age, closer to my age, <laughs> mm-hmm. that he was all for Biden and watching this intergenerational battle go on over our data was hilarious. <laughs> actually. <laughs> so Juanita, Juanita, how do you see what, it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I don't even know if I've fully processed it all because this whole COVID thing took over our lives. Um, I, I keep going back to my trip to Florida while I was getting on my way. I took a road trip and I was, you know, chatting online with friends in Florida who were, you know, talking about how they saw the Bernie versus Biden race from, you know, the point of view of Cubans in Miami or Puerto Ricans in Orlando and, you know, I literally on my way to Florida, I was saying, oh, my word, there's no way Biden can be the person who wins and the person who comes out as our president. And by the time I was on my way home, I was like, well, Bernie's out. And, you know, I guess Biden's the guy. But as I watch my my friends talking about these things on Facebook, I would say a good portion of them will vote for Biden, but they're not going to work for Biden. You know, they don't see the folks in that space valuing them and what they believe in. They see a lot of belittling of them personally or their values by folks on the Biden side. And they say, well, yeah, we got to not have Trump, but I'm not going to knock on doors. I'm not going to go do a bunch of work for Biden. So, um, it's a scary time. I'm not convinced Biden is going to win this election necessarily. Um, I do joke and maybe, you know, in morbid ways that uh, governors in Republican states that don't want to shut things down during the coronavirus crisis might do more to help Biden than anybody else. Um, you know, as my church going brethren go see each other for Easter and then, you know, give each other coronavirus. So, you know, it's sad that that's really kind of where things are at here in this country. All right. And the the other thing I get all the time for um, my friends of the uh, pro-Biden persuasion, and I have some, uh, is that what really will matter, Ben, is the vice president. We've discussed this a lot on the show. Uh, yesterday, I came up with my list of the five vice presidential candidates, and I ranked them from five, five, four, three, two, one to my first that I was hoping Joe Biden would take. And, and I limited it to women because Joe Biden has promised that he was going to select a woman. Now, if he breaks that promise, they should really remove him 
from <laughs> the nom. I'm already kind of hoping they were. I had another list before that of the five people I want to see replace Joe Biden as a nominee. Uh, Lori, I'm really struggling with the Biden thing. I'm working through it in my own way, you know, but I'm really <laughs> struggling with the Biden thing. Uh, but I'll right. get there. Uh, I usually do. Uh, and uh, so I have my list and I'm curious to hear uh, who you uh, two would like to see Joe Biden uh, select. So I guess I would say, who do you think he's going to take and who would you like to see him take? We'll start with you, Lori. Um, actually, I'm not really sure right now who he's going to take. Uh, I have to be honest. I'm, I'm not sure where he's going with it, but I guess, you know, my favorite is Stacey Abrams because I just really like her. And I've been following her for a while. And uh, I like the project she's been working on about disenfranchised voters. And But I understand that I'm not sure that she's going to be uh, enough uh, uh, in terms of what she would bring electorally. Because I think basically if I was Joe Biden, what I'd be thinking about is who is going to bring me the most electoral college vote at this point. I mean, I really, isn't that what it's just all about? I mean, forget the popular vote. It doesn't matter if he gets 10 million more votes, but they all come from New York and California <laughs> and Illinois. It's just not going to matter. We have to get the Electoral College. We talk about this every time then. So I'm going to say, who, who do you think from an electoral point of view what? Would actually bring home the bacon. Well, you know I love or, you, you. You know I love you, dearly, Lori Glenn. But I think you're falling into the same trap that I was just bemoaning. And this is how Democrats <laughs> think. And the notion is electability and how who's the best person for the game. And I think when you fall into that trap right now, Ben. Wait, let now, me just finish my. To- let me just finish my point. And so. I've lived through enough enough of these things. I remember a certain uh, vice president named Al Gore thought he was really smart. He's going to take Joe Lieberman because Joe Lieberman was going to win him Florida. No, that's what? A he, terrible yeah. So, you know, like electoral <laughs> colleges, I'm not feeling that. So, you know, like think of a, I mean, so, okay, if you're going to do it that way, you would look for someone, let's say, in Texas. Because if there was a nominee that Joe Biden could find from Texas, that's a huge state to flip. You flip Texas, it's all over. And not only that, but it and could be for. Richard could come back from the dead. That would be great. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think there's anyone out in Texas who can flip Texas. So you go back to Florida. What Juanita was saying, you know, you find someone in Florida. that. And so I had Val Demings on my list. She's a congresswoman from Florida. She managed the impeachment proceedings. Uh, Nancy Pelosi tagged her to, be, to manage the impeachment proceedings against Trump. So, you know. That's that's that strategy. But I'm not really a mm-hmm. big believer. Um, I know that's the game that that the po- political operatives play. Um, I just personally am falling. Just I feel that's the same mentality at stake with what Democrats did when they decided it was a good idea to select Joe Biden in the first place. And we're just like doubling down on that. The whole electability issue. What do you think, Juanita? I was just thinking that uncharacteristically, I have not talked to Lori Glenn since the last time we were on the show together. 
Um, yeah. uh, but I was going to say Stacey Abrams. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if any woman from Florida or woman from Texas have enough visibility um, right. to be the right person at this time. You know, I don't know. Maybe there, maybe there are things I don't know. I'm sure there are things I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that he has said it's going to be a woman, you know, definitely narrows it down to, um, Michelle Obama. <laughs> yeah. Well, she has said repeatedly she doesn't want that job. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We shall see. Well, I actually I had... don't feel it could be Kamala Harris. I'm sorry. I just don't. I think the American public said we don't really like you that much, Kamala. Go on. Well, the American people said the thing about same thing about Joe Biden nineteen in two thousand and eight, and Barack Obama took him in two thousand and eight. Barack, uh, Joe Biden was, I know what people forget this. He ran for president. He ran against Barack Obama. He like a clobbered. I don't think he made it out of Iowa, and then a Barack Obama took him. Mm-hmm. So the American people have a short memory of these things. It's funny she mentioned Michelle Obama. Uh, she on my list of people that I would wanted to would like to see replace Joe Biden. She was number three. Michelle Obama. Uh, I didn't have her on my list of VPs. We're all in agreement. I, too, had Stacey Abrams as my number one that I would like to see him. Uh, all right. But the one I had number two and the one I, I said I would put mon- money on Vegas that he would take was Kamala Harris. And the reason yeah. I said that, uh, Lori and Juanita, is I felt that um, I really thought it was important to have a black woman on the ticket. Not just, uh, yeah. you know, just send that message in the Democratic Party. Let it be clear where the Democrats were coming from. I, th- I just thought that was really imperative. And, and I may have been one of the few Dems who emerged uh, from last summer's debates. I, I was drinking that Kamala Kool-Aid for a while. So, you know, I'm one of those few lefties that likes uh, Kamala. Yeah, I think that's interesting that you would like Kamala, considering uh, your point of view. Uh, that's interesting to me. But what we didn't talk about is why would you think he would be thinking about the uh, first black lesbian mayor of Chicago? Well, I okay. I <laughs> it's funny you should mention that. Uh, my list of people that I would want to replace uh, Joe Biden with number five was Lori Lightfoot. Uh, I said I, she was my number five choice to replace Joe Biden. Uh, my number five choice for vice president was having fun. Well, if I can have Lori Lightfoot, uh, I got to have her uh, counterpart in Chicago. So I had Stacey Davis Gates from the Chicago Teachers Union. I love Stacey. Everybody knows I love SDG. Oh, yeah. uh, so, uh, you know, but let, that let the, would be a wild what a ticket. Right? Lori Lightfoot and Stacey Davis Never Gates. Never a dull moment. You got lots to talk about. Going at it. Wow. Yeah, that'd be a great ticket. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Lori Lightfoot, man, I don't think she could stand being number two. You know, Joe Biden <laughs> would make a joke about her haircut and it's all over. All right. Hey, no, don't, split don't, don't talk about Lori's haircut. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. All right. I'm not going to do it. She would mess him up. Oh man. <laughs> so anyway, we're all in agreement. All right, come on. Stop ducking and dodging. No, but I got to tell you, you know what, though, Ben and Juanita, we all have to, I'm sorry, because I work in gun violence, anti-gun violence, but we got to bite the bullet here. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. Donald Trump, who is the worst thing that has ever, ever touched 
our presidency, our democracy. We are now dealing full on with, oh, my God, I would, Boris Johnson, I talked to Ben earlier. It's like, how much do I hate Brexit? But Boris Johnson gets on national television in Britain, in Great Britain, and he says, everybody, stay home. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't talk about the economy. He doesn't talk about who should live and who should die so he can remain prime minister. He's like, stay the fuck home. Then he gets That's four times. virus, and now he's in the hospital, and I'm like, oh, no, please don't die. Like, I'm, like, rooting for this guy and thinking I'd rather have him be our president because at least he had the common sense and the decency, the humanity, and the understanding that human life was worth more than his uh, re-election campaign. <laughs> All right. I guess we'll leave it there. we got to get going anyway. I want to thank Lori Glenn for coming on. And Juanita, really triple, triple thank you for coming on at this tough time. And my condolences yeah, to you and really your whole family. Wonderful. God bless you. Thank, thank uh, you. thank you for coming on. Uh, Juanita yeah. Irizarry and Lori Glenn, two good friends of the Ben Jarofsky Show. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, also mm-hmm. want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom this would be possible. Wait, yes, back uh, home in Alton. I'm What's... looking. Hold on a sec. Wait. Oh, yep. The sign language uh, person is out. Yeah, but, uh, Pritzker's giving his press conference. Let's, uh, let's hear some audio from the sign language person. Oh, they're good. Uh, oh, wow. Listen, back to the sound oh, language wow. jokes. They're good. All right. Very good. Uh, back home in Alton. They call them White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. Hey, everybody. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews like this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. We got some uh, bonuses coming up this weekend. Scott Duff, he hosts a show on the radio station. Ben got fired from WCPT 820 out Chicago, Sundays 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. Scott Duff and Ben Jarofsky give a Tiger King review. That'll be interesting. Uh, Miles Camp Lassen will be this weekend as well. So make sure you go check those out. Both Chicago Sun-Times at Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download podcasts, go subscribe. Tell your friends. We'll see you Tuesday. Big problems become big problems when you let small problems sit. We got to get down to business. Play the radio. Make sure the television, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. That's correct. Correct.